This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. When I was writing down names of dream guests for the podcast, this man's name was right up there. Former Irish soccer player, pundit, psychotherapist, podcaster, and now author, Richie Sadler is my guest this week. 2019 has been a big year in his life. He got married, he completed his master's in adolescent psychotherapy, and he finished writing his autobiography, Recovering. There, there, there was one, one day, I remember particularly, I, I was writing some really upsetting stuff. And where I write, the table is just off the, the kitchen area. And Fiona was pottering around in the kitchen. And she just noticed that I was crying in this particular bit. So we weren't in conversation, but she just saw that there was tears coming out my down my face. And she just came over a minute or two later and just put a cup of tea in front of me, kind of kissed the back of my head and just went back to doing. She kind of just knew that now's not the time to go over and go, what's wrong? Let's talk. She just knew there's a bit of swimming through shit that you have to do in order to get this written. In the lead up to the book's release, he appeared on The Late Late Show, revealing he had been sexually abused when he was 14 by a physio he had been attending for back pain. His book recovering is genuine, raw, and in my opinion, a masterclass in stepping away from shame and taking your power back. Now, before we get into the conversation, please check the show notes for any trigger warnings you might need to be aware of. In the chat, he shares how he met his wife, Fiona. He talks about his relationship with his dad, his experience of alcoholism and his newfound love of sea swimming. He's been a non-drinker for eight years and he's in a great place in his life. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Richie, first up, congratulations on the book, Recovering. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been a fairly, um, 
it's very difficult to describe the last few weeks because for the last year or so, when as long as I knew that I was committing to doing this and that I was doing it all, all year, like when I would meet people in a, a restaurant or a coffee or meet people wherever, I would always have this voice in my head going, in X amount of months, they're going to know. Oh, really? And it wasn't nothing yeah. specific, but it was like, they're going to know all the stuff they're going to put in. And I was like, I wonder how will people be with me or I wonder how will I be with them when all the stuff that I'm writing about now is known? And and, and I never was able to answer that question because it's unanswerable, obviously, as you mm. go along. But I was kind of all year bracing myself for what I thought would be a difficult October because I thought the 4th of October is the release date. I knew in the build up to that it was going to be on the late late. I knew in the build up to that what the topic on the late late chat was going to be. And I thought I'd say it's going to be tough to be me for the following few weeks and Jesus I was wrong okay. like honestly I've been like I go to therapy every week and my therapist said about in the, in the second week of October he says I've never seen you look so relaxed yeah um, and I was thinking it's because this is the first time in God knows how long that I haven't had a deadline coming up um, or or really stressful work situations just on the horizon. And then this book, like I, I, it's even almost dismissive describing it as a work thing because it's such a personal thing and it's such a public thing and sure. all that stuff. So I thought, well, for now, actually, this is the first time I don't have to concentrate on writing something or worrying about how it's going to be received or worrying about anything. It's the release is behind me now and the writing is behind me and I just... And just get on with living. And it's been really enjoyable, surprisingly. Yeah. So the people that you were kind of concerned about, how how will they be with me when they know everything? How have they been with you? Sure, I'm getting a huge amount of hugs. <laughs> that's the that's the biggest thing. Love it. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd be sitting like Fiona, my wife, I'd, I'd be sitting with her family and like her parents or her brother. And then going, okay, they don't know anything about, you know, alcoholism or anything like that. And... Or, or any stories I might write about the lifestyle of being a footballer or the childhood stuff about my family or, or my own stuff. You, you just don't know how you're going to be received. And, um, and that was just one group of people. Then I thought, well, like potential, like the, the clients, the young people I work with in my clinic, will they look at me differently now because they know so much personal stuff about me? Because when you're a therapist, there's a school of thought where you just, you keep it, you don't disclose anything about yourself to the person in front of you. And I thought, well, I'm really smashing that that yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, I get you. So just for a lot of the time, I thought, I wonder how people are going to be. And I have not had one one crossword, one critical word, one negative comment to me in any way from anyone. Okay, and I not, love this idea. One. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's so it's you know what? I'm so delighted to hear that for you because I I feel you deserve it because uh, you know I think people have a huge amount of admiration for you in the writing of this book, when you say people hug you, do you feel it's just hugs of, geez, I was brilliant, good on you, or is it like, God love you? <laughs> I, I, do you know, I don't know, I suppose there's a, there's, 
there's probably both w- within it. I tried to not spend too much time trying to interpret No, I'm it. so glad. The, yeah. the only reason I say that might seem like a strange thing to say, but the only reason I say it is sometimes I think when we go through difficulty and even though we're cool with it ourselves personally, other people sometimes don't know what to do and they might get uncomfortable and, and sympathise with you. But if you're not feeling that, then that's probably not what's happening. Do you know, that, w- that was one of the things I thought before the late, late interview. I did put myself under pressure to be... I, I, I need to project myself as being really, really OK with this and, and really comfortable and absolutely on sure footing that talking about this right now is the right thing to do. Because if I'm not in this little 20 minute chat now with Ryan Tuberty, if I'm if I have a wobble or if I get emotional and it's really appropriate to get emotional when you're talking about a topic like that. And it's your own personal experience. Like those things are normal. But if I do. Oh God, will people for a long time will it be getting, you know, when you talk to someone, they, they slant their head and they say, how are you? Yeah. And it's a, there's a there's a kind of a, a sympathising, pitying kind of a vibe from them. I thought, I really don't want that because I'm in a really, I've been in a good mood for ages. Of course, <laughs> my life is great, and I don't want to give the wrong impression that I'm, I'm I'm in a lot of difficulty. So, I was pleased it kind of went the way it did. And answer, sure, listen, I'm like when when people when they give you a hug or when they ask you how you are or they say well done. I kind of don't really worry about what the motive behind it is. That's just a nice thing to do. Yeah, so. because you're in a good, such a good place yourself mm. that you're not kind of reading into it probably mm. as well. And you do. It, it seems so obvious from the second that you meet you that you're you're just in a like life is good. But you know, it's particularly good now because I have more free time than I've ever had because I, right. I, I had a thesis to do. I, I was finishing off a master's in adolescent psychotherapy. So I had a thesis to do and I had a year to do it in. But then I signed the book deal. So I said, well, I'll do the thesis once I have the book out of the way. And the book took me up till it was kind of mid-August before I finished the book. And the thesis deadline was September the 20th. So okay. I, I had a fairly manic. Sounds mental. Yeah. yeah. And, and we got married in the end of May as well. So so we had a wedding, a thesis. I'm always conscious of which order to put these I'm things I'm actually breaking in. out in a sweat at the thought yeah. of it. Like. So, so we'd, we'd a wedding in May the 31st. Um, and I'd, uh, that was the, that was two weeks after I had the original deadline to get the first manuscript to the publishers. And then I had a thesis deadline hanging over me. So wherever I've been over the last 12 months, I've always had this voice in my head going, you should be at home on the laptop. Okay. You've work to do. You've writing to do. It's not going to write itself. You have a deadline coming. And for the last two or three weeks, I don't have any of that. Yeah. So I'm sitting here chatting now. I've been saying to you, it doesn't matter if this runs over. I've nowhere to be. And yeah, I've yeah. Ne- I haven't had that feeling in God knows how long. Wow. And I'm loving it. I love it. <laughs> it suits me having nothing to do. Yeah. So your 2019 has been obviously brilliant. So many, I mean, they're all highs, actually. Mm. I, I'm sure the writing of the book was, I can only begin to imagine how difficult at times it was but getting married mm. having so much joy and so much so many exciting things happen I mean what are you going to do next year? I d- well I, I've kind of told Fiona to, to be on hyper like to, to be really vigilant and listen now for any comments from me that even hints at doing any more studying or any more <laughs> writing of a book she's to immediately shut it down Um I, I don't know, just spending time with, with, with her, with, with, with friends, just throwing myself into the 40 foot or just um, just a bit of downtime. Yeah, because I love, I, I follow you on Instagram and I, I, I said it to you before we start recording, it looks like you're swimming. Every, you're like, no, like maybe once a week or something. But <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's like Richie is swimming yeah. every morning and it looks like great crack. But it, this is relatively new. It is, yeah. Like I, I, I suppose I, Fiona was doing it regularly and she would, I couldn't get my head around her, a lot of her initially, um, 
she she would wake up at like six or half six and within a minute of waking up, she'd be like someone who's had three coffees. Okay. She's loads of energy, loads of just life. And she'd head off and go to a, like a bar class or a yoga class or, 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 or the 40 foot. I was like, thought, this is bonkers. You're like for, for loads of reasons, like this is bonkers. And then, but just after a while, I used to notice her and she was always in good form and she'd always have this kind of thing. And you know, when you look at certain people and kind of go, I, I want, I want what they have. I want, I, yeah, how yeah. are they the way they are? And I want to be a little bit like that. So I started going um, and then I got hooked straight away. So like it, the going to the 40 foot is one of about seven or eight things I have in a list of the kind of self-care things. They're really fun. But yeah. the, the things, if I get through a number of these on any day or any week, I'm on the right track. Like, so I go to therapy or go to, to, to the gym or I walk the dogs or go to the 40 foot or I'll switch my phone off or I'll be in company with certain people. Um, all those things help, which is why life is good. Yeah. Do you, do you uh, notice a difference straight away the second you get out of the water? Do you notice that you're just full of energy? There, there's loads of times where I'm hesitant. When you get up out of bed and go, Jesus, it's just madness. Like it's freezing. It's November. Yeah, and it's, dark. it's December. It's yeah. dark. Like there's like this bed is cozy. There's off, off, always something else to do. And 100% of the time when I get in the water and get out, 100% success rate. Yeah. I'll always go, I just feel better than I did when I get in. And sometimes, particularly in the winter, you can only stay in there a minute or two. But it has an immediate impact and it's always positive. Yeah. I'd love to chat a little bit about Fiona, mm. if you don't mind, okay. um, because the, the night you were on the late, late, I, I saw I saw the photos. I saw the footage, obviously watching it of um, of your whole family being there. Um, but I, you know, you can just feel you're obviously married, newly married. Mm. So life is good. But um, how did you guys meet? Maybe a little bit about you guys. Online, men on Bumble. Love it. Um and and I, I do you know, I, I was, I won't say I struggled, but I, I was resistant with the idea of online dating for ages. Okay. Because I thought, well, first of all, I'm a therapist. Does, does that mean with potential clients of mine? How do I feel about potential clients seeing me on an online dating site? And I well, work, you have to think about stuff that I suppose the majority I, of us wouldn't I, ever I, think Yeah, of. and it's like, I, I work in RTE. How, how do I feel about someone, maybe someone screenshotting... All that kind okay, of stuff. You, and then, yeah. and so I'd always had a reason not to do it. But I always also had a lot of these kind of boundaries I set for myself. So I didn't want to go dating with anyone I worked with. Okay. So no other therapist or no teacher in the schools I worked in or um, various things. And then I realized because I stopped drinking, I don't go to pubs or go to nightclubs. I, thought I pretty much ruled out any female I'm ever in contact with <laughs> okay. because I'm in contact with them for work reasons. Yeah, yeah. Thought, okay, I need a new, I need a new avenue here. I'm going to wake up at the age of 16 and I'll still be single wondering, you know, <laughs> how, how do I resolve this, this issue? Um, so I went online and in, we, we, we and it's, I don't know, you've never done it, have you, have you ever? No, do you know what? I didn't do the online thing, but I was contemplating it. I was single for, I was single for about four years. Um, Why didn't you? It, it was probably that. I did right. think somebody will, will ring, like who, who would care? I was like, next thing it'll be, it'll be front page of the Herald. Yeah. But, the, the, but I, so I had all those questions. <laughs> that's my ego taking over. So do you know I, what I mean? I had all those questions going, what if someone sees me? And then I was like, okay, but. Run with that question. What's the answer? What if they see me? They'll see me actively looking for a partner. Mm. And I'm saying it's not like I'm married. If I'm married, then, then you know, 
I don't want them to see me on an online date because I'm clearly doing something which I shouldn't be doing. But I'm yeah, single yeah. and looking for to meet someone. Like, th- and then I thought, well, am I being judgmental about online dating? Do I have a hang up with people being in? And I said, I really don't. I said, well, well then fine, just go. And then <laughs> realize, like, you have to have these endless text conversations with someone you've never met. Because, yeah. so, like, the first, the first person I, I, I got in touch with, when I was new to all this, I suppose probably the right thing to do is to ask someone who's been doing it and then get a bit of advice and, you know, what are the basic do's and don'ts? And I think the first person, I, I, I said, how are you? I don't know what I said. She said something back and, and I, I said something else, like just a conversation thing. And she just went back, not looking for a pen pal, ask me <laughs> out, ask me out or don't. Oh, I'm not looking for a pen pal, something like that. And I went, okay, Jesus, right. This is how you do it. You, you, you immediately yeah. get in with a question. So... We went for a drink and it, it, we didn't meet a second time. We went nowhere. So the next person I spoke I to... Love, uh, I love the balls of her, though. I, I, I was really drawn in. I was yeah, really drawn yeah, 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 yeah. then, But the second person I spoke to, I thought, well, I know from the last one what you do. You immediately go in with the suggestion of where to meet. Okay. And she had a different approach altogether. Okay. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> right easy, <then>. easy. <laughs> I don't know you. Like, you could be anyone. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, right. This is okay. All right, <laughs> everyone approaches this differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so eventually, myself and Fiona got chatting, and we met, and um, and now we're married. Yeah, now you're married. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I really struggled when I when I, I stopped drinking in 2011, and I was like, on how does a non-drinker date? First of all, mm. like how do you how do you flirt with someone when you're sober? Sober, okay. And in all the arenas, I usually would associate flirting or, you know, the first kiss or holding hands for the first time or getting physically closer or whatever. It's usually in a pub or a nightclub or I don't do those things walking the dog or or in a shopping center or, you know, all the normal day to day stuff. So I thought, well, I'm really going to struggle. How 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 am I going to work all this? And like I have friends of mine who are parents and who are single. And they always have the dilemma of going, at what point do you say to the person you're talking to that you're a parent? Because how is it going to be received or whatever? Yeah. I had that question about being a non-drinker. I was like, when do I tell them I'm a non-drinker? And to some people, is that going to be a deal breaker? Because it would have been for me. Like if I'd have met Fiona 10 years ago, mm. and Fiona drinks, but if I'd met someone 10 years ago who ticked all the boxes of someone I'd like to meet, but they didn't drink, I go, well, this is never going to work okay? because I drank the way I drank. So a non-drinker and me just wouldn't go together. So I understood what there's going to be a lot of people out there who just wouldn't consider dating a non-drinker. And mm. um, so I kind of had to grapple with all that. And then all your but dates it, are like walking the dog and having coffee and going yeah. for lunch. And God knows how many lunches. Which is, hey, come on, that's brilliant. And, and, and that's the stuff that we want to get to. To be mm. honest, people, you know... We would do too many dates probably where we need the Dutch courage and all of that kind of crack. You want to get to the stage of the in inverted commas relationship where you can walk the dog and you can go for lunch and coffee. And that's that's when it gets OK. Now they're really seeing me. Now I'm comfortable enough mm. to be myself with them. And I think that's the scariest thing about I being a non-drinker scary. is because, you know, you've nowhere to hide. Yes. OK. You're visible. Yeah. You can't hide. And they're sober, too. Mm. They're not drunk. They're not looking at you through beer goggles going, this fella is whatever, he's, uh, he's grand, they're looking at you and they're sober and they're going to remember what you say and they're conscious of everything you're doing and you're kind of going, okay, this feels vulnerable. This is... Yeah, yeah. This isn't great. Um, and after a while, like anything else, you just, okay, right, you just 
you just step further into it and go, okay, I've had that experience, and I go on a second one or a third one, and like anyone, you you've, you've good dates, you've bad dates, you meet people who you'd like to meet again, or it doesn't work out or whatever. But myself and Fiona, like our first date was a dog walk in Marley Park. She was on her way to a funeral. <laughs> we were we were we were meant to meet. I, I'd say Tuesday lunchtime for 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 lunch. And then over the weekend, someone passed away and the funeral was Monday around the corner from my house. And so I said, well, you, you can come early and we can go for a dog walk. And, and that was the first date. Oh. That's how it all started. I suppose it, there's no way of knowing how that conversation is going to go or how the first. I mean, I'm sure people are listening. I'm certainly doing it while you're talking. I'm thinking about first date experiences I've had myself are certainly with Damien. And, and by the way, I have to go back to something you said because I realise I can't lie to Richie. He's a psychotherapist. Like, mm. I can't lie to him. Uh, I did actually have a profile once on Plenty of Fish. Didn't have my photo, didn't have my name. I was a nurse called Sarah. So it was it was dishonest from the get-go, right? So then I'd have people messaging me, but everything else about me, other than, I know I'm revealing this, but anyway, everything other than my name and profession, uh, the detail in it, the profile in it, was completely me. So then I did have people messaging me and then obviously now me looking for a photo. So I once sent a photo of my eye and somebody said, you look like one of the show, I guess. I went, no. panicked and I shut down the account yeah. straight away. I freaked out. I was like, what are you doing? If you can't be yourself, of course, somebody will want to maybe interact with you and go on a date. So you can't do this. How did you get on in the bit where you have to describe yourself? I found that I, grand because I'm away a true narcissist. Me. I was grand talking about myself. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> I no I I so Bumble you, you you it's not compulsory to say anything about yourself and okay. the female has to make contact first. That's what, how that one works. Okay, that's when and it could be different now, but that's what it was at the time. So it it relieves you of the pressure of having to come up with the catchy opening line that's gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. gonna differentiate you from the twenty other opening lines that this person is getting from other people. But the bit that the websites, which would be, okay, you know, your likes or your interests or describe yourself in X amount of words or who you're looking for. I was like, okay, I'm out of here. I, yeah. can't, I can't do this. Yeah. Particularly yeah, anything that's described myself, obviously, because you have to sell yourself a little bit in those things, yeah. which is like horrendous. Yeah, totally. But look, dating is so scary, like, isn't it? Y- yeah, I've, yeah. It's pretty terrifying, yeah. like, you know, I mean, we kind of forget Unless you're really happily single, which I got to, I got to a, do you know what? I am happy out now. But I was always the person in a relationship until I I, I made myself not be for a period of time because I really felt I had to like, geez, I have to get to grips with who I am first because I'm. So did you kind of ring fence yourself off mothers for a set period? I don't know if I did that. It was I think it was more um, I realized I was probably going to repeat the same type of patterns and potentially not positive patterns of behavior in terms of relationships if I if I didn't start to kind of go inward and examine what was going on for me. Um, I did it for two years. Okay. When I was 32, I stopped drinking in August. And I said, okay, I'm not going to so much as hold hands with a woman for two years. Okay. Which w- w- was, was might sound quite dramatic to people listening, but when you're kind of when I was in the early stages of trying to work out how do I go from someone who who, who drank to someone who's going to try and live without drink I thought the area that's going to most challenge me is any kind of romance like this this is just a minefield and you're not your own 
you kind of have to be considerate of someone else. Like if, if me and you started dating in the first few weeks of me being a non-drinker, there's only so many times I'll get away with saying to you, I don't fancy going out tonight. Or, I don't fancy meeting your friends. I know they're your good friends and I know you really want them to meet me, but I'm just not in the mood tonight. So you know what I mean? You kind of have to consider someone else all the time, mm. which is right. But yeah. at the time, I wouldn't have been ready for that. Plus as well, if... if you have to be asking, you know, why aren't you drinking? Or, you know, why don't you just have one? And let's say I really liked you and you're looking at me and, and I really like you and you're going, should we just have one or two? Like, I know so many people who just can't get off drink or struggle or fall back on, uh, back into drinking because of those scenarios. They're just too difficult when you're in the early days of trying to get off the stuff. So I thought the safest thing I'll do is just do nothing. Mm. Just just keep everyone at arm's length. I am. Um, and that worked. And it was kind of easy because I wasn't sitting there at home going, Jesus, if I just made the other decision, I'd be out dating someone tonight. It was like, well, I can't do this anyway. This is going to... And I even got to nearly the two-year point and I was walking with a friend of mine up Bray, Bray Head and I remember saying to him, I might push this out to three years okay. because I'm nowhere here. Right. Um, and then after a few months, he just said, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll see how I get on. Yeah. But with Fiona from the get-go, you were, this is me. Oh, complete. And, and you know what's the amazing thing? It, it's not practical for, for every relationship. But when you write a book, you, you, you kind of have to, you don't have to say, I chose to inform her along the way of all the stuff I was going to put in it. Mm. Which meant really revealing myself to her. Yeah. In a way that was way more open and honest than I'd done with anyone in my life ever before. Like nobody has ever gotten the, f you know, really open version of me. Mm. And then her responses every time was just. Were, were so positive or, or, or warm or affectionate or like non-judgmental, all the things you would want from the person that you are mad about. You you want them to be like this. And she was. So we, we just after every thing I said and every conversation we had, it just got closer and better as we went along. So. I never like for the first time ever. I've I've never had a scenario where I'm gonna, gonna how, how am I gonna, uh, where will I tell her I was last night because I don't want her to know I went to therapy or mm. this morning because I went to a meeting or yesterday because you know I'm not hiding anything yeah, at yeah. all. And this is a this is a new experience. Um, so like it's completely comfortable, which is I always thought that you know, that's how you're meant to be. But I'd never managed it with anyone ever before mm. because of me, not because of them. It was just because of where I was and, and the way I was handling my myself and my life. It's just a lot simpler. Yeah. It's <laughs> easier and simpler now. And you probably find in your work as a psychotherapist that when you deal, I, I don't know, I'm, uh, I don't, I don't want to make assumptions. But from my feeling personally, I feel that if somebody is being completely honest, even if there's something mental or not so mental, but if they're just, this is it, I'm straight away going, okay, you've got my respect. Mm. And I'm going, right, I, I I, now feel a more of a connection to you because you've been vulnerable and honest rather than the person that if you can, because we can pick up, our instinct is so powerful, we can pick up when people are hiding or, sh you know, keeping things away. And that's what builds distrust and a lack of connection. I suppose, if, if anything, I think your book, what you're about um, and anyone who owns their their own vulnerabilities can can share with other people is that if you want real connections in life, be yourself, let the guard down, because that's when for me personally, I am all over that. The second somebody is real with me, I instantly 
feel that's fantastic because I number one it, feel, it makes me feel comfortable in owning my own crap as well. Um, so I suppose it's our own demons inside our minds, isn't it, that can sometimes play these games with us. Because I was, I, I also used to put myself under pressure of going. I, I need to be a certain different version of myself depending on the situation I'm in the, the, the RTE pundit guy mm. has got to project himself differently than the adolescent psychotherapy guy or the, 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 the boyfriend or husband version of me or the friend version of me or, you know in all these different yeah. areas um, and after a while I was like you know, just just go with it just, just be yourself be whatever mm. it's easier can I talk to about your dad? Because mm-hmm. the book, your, your dad features really heavily in the book. Mm-hmm. And and obviously the night you're on the late, late as well. Um, it just shows how far you've come as a family unit, not just your dad, but your mum and your siblings. And I can only begin to imagine the level of, uh, it, it looks like you have great crack together, actually. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of fun now in your family. We did actually. And even after the show, I've got great footage of my sisters and my brother. I, I don't know if I'm meant to say this. I say it anyway. <laughs> we we snuck out back onto the set, and we took a load of photos of ourselves all sprawled across yeah, the couch, um, and my two sisters jumped up to where the house band play. Oh yeah, I got on the microphone. They're both brilliant singers, so they were doing some duet. <laughs> my brother was in the back, like banging away at the drums. Oh, brilliant! Um, and we were all just laughing, like it, like to anyone looking at that show that night, they would have been looking at me talking about quite a grim topic. Yeah, but. Everything else, with the exception of that 20 minutes, I would have spent the most of the night kind of laughing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Or just being really comfortable and grateful for how things are in my family or things are in my life and um, just to be able to get to the point where I was able to, to, to talk about all the stuff I was talking about. But about my dad, like I, I would have had a, I think like a lot of Irish people, you have a complex relationship with, with parents. And, and when I was a kid, like a lot of boys, I, I, I looked up to my dad as, as like a godlike figure when I was a kid. Um no particular reason, just like a lot of dads are to their sons, he, he was a hero. And he, he's, I've written about this in the book, he, he's a recovering alcoholic, but he was an active alcoholic when I was a kid. 
and like so many children of alcoholics like it's really textbook it's really common I just in my child mind I interpreted his absence or unavailability or his unreliability or the inconsistency all the stuff that comes with having an alcoholic parent I interpreted that as some kind of a statement of my value well you know if I was a bit better if I was more something or less something or that it was like well I need I'm not enough this kind of, and that's that's really common anyone listening to this who who has a, a is a parent who's a problem drinker will relate to that um and for years I would have I would have really honed in it I need to do as much as I can to get this fella to like me and to respect me and to the word love never come in just just to think I was a decent fella and the only thing I really did at any good level when I was a kid was play football and and I remember this is the thing that I'm going to do so it wasn't just because it, it was enjoyable it really was and I loved doing it and all my friends did it and it's like a really social thing to do is to, when you're a kid spend all day in a, in a field with a football with your mates but the driver behind a lot of it as well was like you know this inner urge I have just to be somebody mm. to prove that I'm somebody and a lot of it was I was trying to excel in this world so I could prove to him that I was enough yeah that I was somebody um, and I did that right I'd say up until the day I finished um, and it's not like I've been battering away about this topic for years in therapy over the last which is why I'm kind of comfortable talking about it and writing about it now and like my relationship with him now like for a long time I, I, I would kind of you know why I know other lads and their dads are all over them. Like they love, they talk about football all the time and they go to matches together, they watch matches together and they, sport is the thing that they bond with. My dad's not a, not a sports fan. So I, like it always tried really, really hard, really, really hard. And then um, it's kind of all in the mix. Then when I finished playing, it, it, it was just so many reasons why finishing playing was something that was difficult. But in the back of it all, it was like, okay, I have no more way of proving to anyone, most of all my dad, that I'm, worthy then I'm of substance that mm. I'm somebody so I, that's why I really struggle with it um, and in the last few years like when, since, since since I stopped drinking like my dad hasn't drank since I'm 10 okay so he's completely transformed himself and the way he carries himself and how he behaves and how he treats people and how he treats himself like he's unrecognisable from the man that I remembered mm. but it took me years and years and years to see that like a, like a lot of people, you know, you, you just hang on to, to, to childhood stuff for memories and, and some people can let go of stuff that happened in their lives and other people hang on to it. I was kind of somewhere in between. But in the last few years, I started to get a bit of understanding of what it would have been like to be an alcoholic with four kids and with a, mm. with a, with a, with a, with a wife and, and all the financial pressures we had and a full-time job and try and get sober like I have my mind I don't know how that's possible like I really struggled with it I, I had none of those responsibilities so um, and then I kind of just got my shit together at my end and kind of would have had fairly kind of open or frank discussions with him over the, over the last five or six years and like the relationship we have now is the one that I always wanted mm. like so my, my parents are divorced over a decade now at this stage so like I, I'd ring him and if he's as a date coming up I'll ask him like how, yeah. how you feel about it or how did it go or 
um, we meet for lunch or he'd, he'd a medical issue during the year and I kind of visiting him and just just the basic normal stuff, nothing nothing elaborate but just the way that I always want things to be mm. um, is how they are now yeah. and then so you get a night like the Late Late Show where we're all there together so my sister Anna lives in Brighton with her wife so she's kind of physically separated from us all and then my parents live separately so there's a, there's a little bit of kind of like a lot of families that there's not one kind of recognised base anymore so there's not often opportunities where we're all together and that was one of the nights where we were so it was like a little family celebration Yeah and I suppose for people watching we're hearing this for the first time mm. but for you guys for you particularly I mean you've well gone through whatever you need to process or go through to get to the point where I'm sure it was still terrifying to go on national TV and a show like The Late Late and talk about it but still for you guys you've already dealt with it as such yeah, I mean, my fa- like, so I was there to talk about being sexually abused when I was a kid, right? So e- even, see how breezily I've just said that phrase to you? Yeah. And, you know, we're sitting here and it's fine. I, I, I could never have imagined being able to be comfortable saying that out loud um, or just coming to terms with this is, I don't want to use the word just, but I'll use, this is just something that happened. Like like a, like a lot of things that have happened in my past, they're things that happened and I can't change them. I can try and understand the impact they've had on me, but I can't change them. And the more I started to understand the impact of it, I started to realize my thinking was so flawed around them. And it was really, I was actively damaging myself on a daily basis every time I thought about it because I thought it was my fault. So my, my, my family would have been aware of some of that. Mm. On drunken nights out over the year, I think I remember told my sister's first and then a few years later said it to my brother. It was my mum who I said the first when I was still a teenager and my dad actually only said it to him this year. Okay. Um, was that difficult? It was because actually I, 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 I wanted to show them a copy of the book well in time for me to make any changes that they wanted me to make. So in around early May, I had the first printed out version of the first manuscript, the first draft. So I was, gave that to them all. But dad had a, a, a medical thing, he kind of gallbladder surgery and, and there was complications. He was back in hospital, he was in ICU for a few days. It all got a bit messy. And my wedding was coming up and I thought, I, I, can't, I can't tell him now and I can't give him the book now because there's some upsetting stuff in it there that he, might know, he wouldn't have known about. But it was right before my wedding, so I didn't want to upset him or disrupt things between me and him in the build up to my. So I was waiting for the perfect moment to tell him. And of course, the perfect moment. When? How do you describe a perfect moment to tell your dad you've been sexually abused 25 years earlier and you're about to put it in a book and here's the book to read it? Mm. Like, that's. There's a lot of things there to consider. Actually, the night I told him, like, I knew I was kind of running out of time. I couldn't. I really wanted him to read it in time for me to make any changes. So I picked him up from hospital one night when he was coming out and I was dropping him over to my sister's and he was still impacted by the drugs. So he was still a bit on a bit of a go slow because, you know, like everyone is when they're sure. heavily medicated. And I just gave him the book and I kind of refer. I said, listen, just to give you a heads up, I don't want you reading it for the first time. And I kind of said it to him and we didn't get into a detail back and forth about it. He, he said a couple of things and then off he went with the book. And then I met up with them shortly after, like I did with each of them. And they say, what, what did you think? Is there anything you feel strongly about that you want me to change or remove? 
and we met in a coffee shop uh, not far from here in town and he had he brought me through the whole book and he'd made kind of pointed little typos and <laughs> little suggestions of how I might have rephrased certain no things way. and then Love he pulled it. me up and being too generous in some of my praise for him oh wow whereas wow. a lot of people who haven't kind of made the amount of progress he's made in himself would have balked at the idea that you know I'm telling people that he was an alcoholic I'm telling you know he straight away is like oh, you've been a bit over the top there saying that nice thing about me um, and we didn't specifically talk about the sexual abuse thing, but it was just, you know, when you're with someone and you just go, this is their way of saying I'm fully supportive yeah, of, of all of this. Yeah. Um, and so we had a lovely cup of coffee and we were sitting there for a while chatting away. So by the time we got to late, late they knew everything. Mm. And I think they saw how I was. And there was a part of me as well, like it, 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 it's tricky when you when you when you're going through in so much detail like I did when I was writing the book, you're going through in so much detail how you felt in the really bad days. That there's an unavoidable upset with that. But the amazing thing, and the more I got into the process, I was like, "Oh, that's so different to how I am now." And and then you can kind of plot the progress and go, "Oh, geez, I really remember feeling that way and thinking that way about myself, or having my head in my hands, thinking, Jesus, you know, where's all this going?'" And and just check in now with how I feel. And I go, Jesus, I'm grateful. Yeah. Like it's very different now than it used to be. And um and I had a lot of support as well. Like you asked there about Fiona earlier, there was I, I, I genuinely don't think I could have or would have started this book if I wasn't with her because of just the way she is. Like mm. some partners would be, No, I don't want you writing that you've had sexual partners with people before. And I know some partners just aren't sturdy enough to even contemplate the fact that their partners had ex-partners. Yeah. Um, And there was one, there was one, I was, one day I remember particularly, I I was writing some really upsetting stuff. And where I write, the table is just off the, the kitchen area and Fiona was pottering around in the kitchen. And she just noticed that I was crying in this particular bit. So we weren't in conversation, but she just saw that there was tears coming out my down my face. And she just came over a minute or two later and just put a cup of tea in front of me, kind of kissed the back of my head and just went back to doing. She kind of just knew that now's not the time to go over and go, what's wrong? Let's talk. She just knew there's a bit of swimming through shit that you have to do in order to get this written. And then at the right time, then when we're out with the dogs or just sitting upstairs or something, she's going, how's it all going? And just at the right time in the right way, she just was supportive and was just there and gave me space on the days I needed it and was there on the other days when I needed it without us really formally agreeing how you do that. We just, it just, we just did it. Um, and I can't imagine, like I'm imagining like the house we live in and, and, and I can't imagine being in that house on my own for a year going through what I had to go to to write this. Like going into bed on my own every night and yeah. waking up on my own every morning and turn around and like the, I love the dogs. The dogs are amazing but it's only so much <laughs> so much a dog can offer in terms of support. Um, so that's it, it, the, the book wouldn't exist without her and I don't think I'd be nearly as 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 happy or as content or as whatever way I am now, however I describe how I am on my best days, um 
I wouldn't be anywhere near it if I wasn't in a relationship with her. Mm. She's, she really does. She sounds amazing. Um, I felt that from. But you need to cut all this out because I don't want her to get a big head. Yeah, and she, she can't hear this. any of yeah. this. <laughs> it's a Shane note for the editor. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it, clearly she's somebody who has a really good sense of herself first and foremost. Um, because I think for you to have compassion for somebody else who's going through difficulty, you kind of have to have had maybe not experienced your own stuff, but certainly a level of understanding. And that that what you just described mm-hmm. shows somebody with a high emotional intelligence who just got it and obviously loves you to bits and went, he's going through his thing. I'm not going to interfere. I'm just going to let him know that I'm here. Um, mm-hmm. It's really powerful. Yeah, it's great. Like, And it's been fairly... I, I like, I, I wouldn't change anything about the way we are with each other. The, the, there's no areas where I go, Jesus, I wish we were a bit more of this or a bit less of that or a bit she was more or anything like that. But it's kind of just been fairly effortless. Like, I don't, I don't struggle to find out what way I need to be around her. Mm. Or I don't struggle to find the, I, I'm imagining previous relationships I've had where I've had to struggle to, find a common ground or struggle to, you know, you know, in, in any scenario you have to compromise. It's not always about what you, it's about, you know, you work out to, and sometimes the compromises can seem like monumental steps out of your areas of interest or your comfort zone or whatever. This, this doesn't, it's never felt like that. Yeah. It, do it you, just doesn't. Do you think it's as well though, it's a fact that when you're coming to the table as this is me now, this mm. is it, I'm not going to hide anymore. I, I know who I am, but I also know the damage that can be done if I'm not being true to myself. So this either works or it doesn't, but I'm not going to dishonor myself anymore by pretending to be someone I'm not or something I'm not. Do you know what I think is, is, is like I was 38 when we met and she was 34. Um, and I think certainly I was and probably she was. Do you know when you've had, like this isn't our first relationship. Yeah. So you, you, you've experiences to draw on and you can look back on how you handled certain situations or how you might have delayed saying certain things or you avoided saying certain things to I was an awful devil for like keeping my mouth shut to avoid conflict and I'd let things fester and I'd just, just not say the thing when you're meant to say it and then that that's not a healthy approach in any relationship and then I just thought that the, the older I was getting the less patience I had or maybe the more value I had in my own time hmm. I, I was, I'm not going to waste time um putting work into something that feels like it's a lot of work but I also acknowledge that I really want something to work so I'm going to work at it do you know what I mean so it's somewhere in between and then it it just felt like it like when, when we met and it was it was just it's always been fun it's always been it's just been really natural it's been there's, there's nothing and, and I'd be a bit, like my mates used to say to me years ago I remember my mate said this once. I, I met someone in my twenties or later. I was dating someone, or and you know when you meet, introduce them to your friends and made him. And I said, "Yeah, she's, she's really sound, she's lovely." And I said, "Yeah, she's." And he said something like, "Um, well, sure, it's a matter of time before you just pick a fault and then leave." That was just my. It was just the thing. I did. As soon as I met someone, I would start some unconscious process in my head, already looking for an exit. I just didn't want to be close to people. I didn't want anything to last. I didn't want any of that stuff. I wasn't ready for any of that. Hmm. And and now none of those things are a feature. Yeah. So you didn't want anyone to really see who you were. 
No, sure. Why would I? Yeah, of course. Um, you really like you when you just without getting too like the, the the stuff that happened to me when I was a kid, and I hated myself for it. Like as 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 strongly as you can hate a person is how I hated myself. And when you have such a low opinion of yourself, well, it stands to reason that you would try to be like very selective about how much of yourself you show to someone else. It's 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 the common sense thing to do is to hide yourself from someone else if you're convinced that once they know you or the real you that they'll walk because you think so little of yourself to begin with. So it was it was a kind of a self protection thing. Um, it's very effective. But yeah. not if you want to get close to anyone. No. Because the whole world's at arm's length from you and you wake up at the age of 60 going, this is great, no one's gotten close. But then you're going, okay, I'm 60 and I'm not close with anyone. You've gone through a lot of changes, I, I would imagine. Like different, all the different phases in your life, mm. everything that's explored so honestly in the book um, and all the different experiences that you've gone through have obviously shaped the man you are now. And going from now, and obviously life is good, this has been a bumper year for you. Like you mm. got married, the book, uh, you finished your thesis and, you know, who knows what is around the corner. What What are you looking forward to now? Or do you, do you make many plans? Well, so we're newlyweds. Um, so I think... The, the one area, the one area we constantly joke about is obviously we get a third dog very very soon. We get another, <laughs> like there's, there's no scenario that can't be improved by just adding a dog to it. But okay, we need to stop. We what are your dogs, Bobby and Joey? Isn't Bobby it? is the same Bernard, and Joey's a little cavapoo, like <laughs> opposite ends of the the size spectrum. Um, I suppose we 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 will start having the conversation about maybe having kids, and if that happens, brilliant. And if we're one of those couples that it doesn't happen to, we will adjust and, and, and deal with that but at the moment like I deliberately I, m- I made a kind of conscious decision that around October November like I'm being swamped at the moment with, with ideas and proposals from people and invitations to be spokespeople or, or a spokesperson or an advocate or um, something for all sorts of different organisations um, and loads of different media requests and stuff and I'm just going to be really, really selective mm. because I'm happy to talk about like the, the stuff I've gone through for a little while, but I don't want to be one of these people who keeps banging on about it forever. Like, I, it, I w- it won't serve my needs in any way to do that. Um, so I, I've kept these few weeks as free as possible so that if something comes my way where I go, that's a tempting or an inviting challenge or proposal or something, whether it's work or, or whatever, I'd like to have the opportunity to be able to pursue it and see how I get on. Um, so to answer your question, I have no real plans. And I, I bloody love the fact I'm sitting there going, I've, I'll yeah. just, if something comes my way that I like, I'll jump all over it. Yeah. But at the moment, it's just the, the RTE work and my clinic and, and, and the podcast, and which is, you know, all and things I really plenty. love doing. Yeah, and, it's plenty. And then you have a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, mm. I, I, I thought when I asked you, because... I've been thinking about recording a podcast for a really long time, for mm. a few years, to be honest. But I remember thinking like I was writing down, the, you know, the the dream guests. And I'm not just saying this because Shay knows this as well. Like you were you were there because I was like, Rich, this was well before the book came out. Because I remember seeing you. So I I think we, we did it like um, some kind of a photo shoot when I was in Youth Talk for Bernardo's once. Mm-hmm. And then I bumped into you in the corridor in RTE 
very soon after your Ray Darcy appearance. Mm. And that's when you were speaking about, you know, the classes that you do with uh, with with young people, with teenagers kind of speaking about uh, sexual health and, and well-being. And I just I've always found you really impressive and been intrigued about sitting down and having a chat. And then, of course, the book comes out. And I'm, of course, the inner voice in me goes, he'll never sit down and do podcasts with me now because he's on the late late. He's on, you know, every big radio mm. or TV show in the country. And you were so accommodating and we've had to change times here as well. My fault. And you've been so sound about it. Um, so I really appreciate your time. But chatting's easy. Yeah. It Ride, is, writing it was difficult. Going through some of it was difficult. I'm enjoying this bit of it where you just like this. There's no real structure to this chat. You don't have a list of questions. I don't feel like I'm being interrogated. This is just two of us going, let's chat and see where it goes. And all my interviews have been, not all of them. I, they all kind of go that way in the end. Mm. But so time is, is precious, funny. though. You know, our own time is precious. And, you know, you are newlywed. You have a lot mm. of work going on. And yes, you still took time out of your day to come in here and have the chats. And 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 I would imagine even though, yes, it's done and you've written it, I would imagine that still, though, the reliving or the, the talking about certain situations, can it be triggering? Yes. Or draining? Well, I, I've been really selective. Like when, when I sat down with the publishers and again, this is the first time I've done this, so I don't know what's the the right or wrong way to promote a book. And they said, listen, get maybe we keep you busy for the first fortnight to try and get the word out there that this is out. And I said, grand. Um, and they just kind of, I said, listen, if you don't, I, I'd rather not say yes to everything. I don't want to be four times a day for, for three sure, weeks yeah. and then banging out the same stories. And so it's only been about five or six things. Mm. Um, and it's it, it's there's always been variety because there's so many different things in the book. And most chats aren't as long as this. So when someone has 15 or 20 minutes to chat to you, they've all honed in on different areas. So it hasn't been repetitive or boring at all. Um, so some of the stuff like when, when talking about the abuse stuff or you're talking about my relationship with my dad or my childhood stuff like little memories come into my head um, which is normal and and it's it, it's what's meant to happen when you talk about you know when you think about something um, but I, I, I love and I mean I, I love the fact that those thoughts can come into my head and I can carry on talking to you I can look at you in the eye I'm not running out of the room ashamed I'm not bursting into tears I don't have to cancel this interview or stop and start again do you know what I mean I'm kind of yeah. going I, I'm, 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 I'm in a good place now and, and I'm well aware of where I've been and, and how tricky it was at various points along the way um, and I just think there's there's a value in chatting about stuff like this only if you're ready if you're comfortable like the, the, it, it can be very damaging and risky and completely the wrong idea for a lot of people to speak about what they've been through it would have been for me at various points in in my past but now it's not it, mm. it's not risky now it's not it's not there's no potential damage that can come from me here talking about my life and my experiences because I'm 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 in a good mood <laughs> yeah yeah you really are before we uh, wrap up do you live by a, a certain philosophy or do you have like you know a way a, kind of a mantra that you go by that this now is what matters and everything else beyond that is whatever the, the, there's a no is probably the, the, the most honest answer but there's a there's a couple of things which I little phrases I heard 
one was it's 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 none of my business what anyone else thinks of me i used to apply that first i first heard that several years ago and i used to apply that to people's comments about me as a pundit because pundits one of those jobs that it's very visible and it's in a a topic where there's no real difference in expertise. Like if I watch a match, I give my opinion. If you watch it, you give your opinion. So we're both in the world of just sharing our opinions. So it's a kind of a job that's accessible to everyone. So everyone, politically on Twitter, will give their views to how you they think you're doing the job. So that helped. And then coming up to the book release particularly, I'd keep reminding myself of that. Hmm. And so that it didn't matter what anyone thinks of me. It, it, it's none of my business. It's just none of my business. So you can sit me there looking. It doesn't matter to me what you think of me. It's just none of my business. And when I genuinely get on point, on that point, it, I'm I'm on better ground. Mm. Um, and then I heard like the, the, when I was I was he, when I was researching. I interviewed Paul O'Connell recently, mm. and he did a talk one day in some corporate setting, and he quoted Joe Schmidt's phrases. You know. Is it w- win the next moment? Yeah. And I heard that another so you know, just do the next right thing. Mm. And and I tried to just have that approach. So like you asked me a minute ago, what's the long term plans? I kind of struggled with that answer. But like, I know when I leave here, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to go from here. I'm going to go over to where Fiona works and then we're going to do X, Y and Z in the next day e- later on this evening. Isn't that what we're meant to be doing, though? Just being present. Yeah, that's kind of just I kind of get up each day. You know, you have the calendar thingy in your phone where you have all the things that the things you have, I have to put down or else I'll forget that I <laughs> arranged to do them. And then I just kind of one by one just do them and just try and do them as well as I can or knock as much crack out of them as I can or whatever. Yeah. And then do the next thing. Do the next thing. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see what and hear what you do next. And for <laughs> now, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Really appreciate it. It's a real pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I'm so grateful to Richie for his time and his openness. His book is recovering and I highly recommend it. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do share it with your mates and take a moment to rate, review and hit subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. And if you'd like me to have a chat with anyone in particular, please do get in touch. You send me a message on Twitter or Instagram. You'll find me at Sheila Shoiga. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.